Uh, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Hondo Presents Web3 Waffles. I'm Scott Byrne Fraser. I'm the technical co-founder of Hondo, and I'm delighted to be joined by Alistair McFarlane today, um, who is our head of engineering at the broader Hondo Group. Uh, thank you, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. It's great to have you on board. Uh, it'd be great to hear a bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I, as, as you said, I'm you know currently the, the head of engineering at, at Hondo Group. Um, I, I've had a sort of, in many ways, tr traditional journey through to, to what I'm doing today. I have my background's solely in software engineering. Um, I studied software engineering and artificial intelligence at, um, at university, um, initially because I wanted to make video games because I thought they were cool, but latterly realized that actually I just like building things. Um, and so I worked as a developer for many years and, um, over time, kind of got more interested in like servers and infrastructure and things like that. Came across um, the, the DevOps movement, um, which you'll be at least a little bit aware of. Um, and yeah, I then kind of from there, I've always worked for small companies, relatively small companies. Um, so then I ended up moving to London to join a startup about eight years ago. Um, and that role is basically the role that I've now grown into here you know, without without any without any change um and what i've kind of realized across that period is that that kind of love of building things um is not it's not actually just about the building of things although i do really enjoy that i think it's it's doing something that makes yeah. a difference is the thing that actually gets me gets me out of bed in the morning yeah um, and i you know i can find that through building software and delivering cool things to to clients but i can also find that in you know, delivering good management to, to my team. Um, so it's kind of given me the same sort of satisfaction with a different job role, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, just, just eight eight years in effectively one role, but across multiple different projects and the experience before then. I mean, you must have seen a lot of change in the tech landscape over that time. Hugely, yeah, hugely. I mean, when I um, <laughs> sort of trope in, in development circles that... Um, developers wouldn't be able to do anything without the website stack overflow um and i mean it's it's, it's obviously it's it's a little bit true in this and you know it's a wonderful online community where people are sharing problems they've solved and, and that sort of thing um when i started yeah. my career as a developer stack overflow didn't exist um google had barely launched <laughs> um and facebook was just for university students like that's you know if you kind of look across the tech landscape that's yeah, yeah. really big really big changes um you know when so like the, the the growth and sort of explosion in those and the way that we use data um you know again yeah. another, another thing that didn't exist back then was there was no there was no web3 there was no crypto there was no blockchains um they've all yeah. come about since then um so it really, it really has been a huge amount of change in that time. And as you say, eight years in, in one role is also quite a long time, um, even just in that one role. Um, and has the world changed so hugely in those eight years? Potentially not. I'm sure it has in many ways. Um, but I think really it's been, if you look at the last sort of 10, 15, is when so much of that change has, has been. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, um, in some respects, has been, a gradual change in that the internet has been around for a while now but we've seen yeah. these peaks where actually there's been huge adoption i mean and, and the area you were talking about there in terms of you know facebook was facebook was only for universities um google was just starting out 
most people were still on MySpace. It was kind of the advent yeah, exactly. of what we would describe as really the Web 2 era. You know, yeah. it was like the the beginning of that era. Not that anybody called it Web 2 back then, but it was kind of like the, the advent of that era where it was becoming more interactive. It was becoming more app-based. It was becoming more the, the start of big tech and, and that kind of space. Um, and obviously, we speak a lot about Web3. You know, it's something, a conversation we have a lot about Web3 internally as well. Um, and the various different guises of that. Um, you know, from blockchain, from the metaverse, from identity, from decentralization, all these different aspects. Um, so we're on a big, it feels like we're on another big change in terms mm-hmm. of the tech landscape, similar to when those big apps came out. But at the same time, it's quite a hyped landscape, probably more so than the, the environment was back then. I don't know, what are your thoughts on this shift towards, you know, Web3 thinking, the hype around it and the opportunities around that? I think, I think you're right. I think we are really on the, maybe maybe the cusp of a, of a big change is, is too dramatic a way to put it, but we, we are really on that kind of crest of, of big change, I think. Um, you know, if you look yeah. at, um, you know, Bitcoin came around in 2009, right, which, you know, it was, I'd been working for, yeah. well, in fact, that was the year I graduated from university. So that was actually literally the year I, I, uh, I started working properly, and um, yeah, you know that was that was uh, that was a total. No one knew about it back then. You know, it's a completely different thing. No one was there was no talk of Web three. Yeah. This was just a a currency built on cryptography. That was that was all it I was. Think. Um, yeah. And I think really what's yeah. what's changed and what's what we're kind of on the the crest of, as as they say, is. The realization that those the technologies that power those things are actually really powerful. You know, I I have I have a lot of sympathy for people who yeah. don't believe in cryptocurrency. For example, that's fine. I, like I think there's a place for it in the world, but I totally understand why some people feel that way. But for example, just focusing on the on the crypto world, blockchain is an amazing technology and like really has I think powerful applications yeah. in many places. And I think the same is true of a lot of the things that have then been built on top of blockchains, like you know nfts um we you and i were talking recently about the concept of calling things nfts or as as people have you know buy my nft well i guess sort of the problem i have with that is like it relies on you like you can know it's a thing called an nft but like why are we relying on the concept the name of the concept of fungibility being something that anyone really needs to know about if we yeah if I build a technology and it's for digital collectibles and I assure you that, you know, this collectible is unique and it's tied to you, it's kind of all that matters. Like that, that's the, I think, yeah, I think we're at the point now where these techs are actually delivering real value to, to effectively to people, to the solutions that they power. And I think the the, the concepts and the names that we give these things should reflect the, the real genuine value that they're, that they're delivering. If that's a digital collectible, then it's, What's the value? Well, the value is that it's unique and collectible. Um, you know, whereas yeah. you know, look at something like a Facebook, right? It's a social media platform. That's the value it's giving you. Um, the the value isn't what technology it was built in or anything like that. It's about building a building a social network, and that's what we call it. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. We we were speaking just before we came on about the you know the the huge the huge uptake in NFTs on Reddit, which has obviously been you know big news yeah. recently. Um, mass mass adoption, um, you know, huge, huge adoption around the technology. 
on a platform that was typically quite negative towards NFTs. And the very simple reason was exactly as you just described. It, it's a digital collectible. It's your avatar, it's your profile, but it's not framed in terms of it being an NFT. It's not talking yeah. about the technology that's driving it. It's just saying, here's a cool thing that you might want. Here's how you can get them and trade them. And actually people have been doing that on games. They've been doing that on social networks. They've been doing that online for years. And by abstracting it away from the technology, it actually means actually helps with adoption because people get it. Yeah, totally. Like so, so much of the, um, so much of the focus of like early NFTs was around how much you could sell them for, right? It, it wasn't really about collecting yeah. things. It, sometimes it was ostensibly, but fundamentally, it was about yeah. people making money. And if you get in early, you can make more money. And it's effectively, if you word it that way, it's a pyramid scheme. And if that's what you're launching, if that's what you want to launch, fine, go go ahead, do that, and see if yeah. you make some money out of it. But I think. There's a for very good reasons people have a deep skepticism of anything where what they're being told is you can make some money out of this. Like sometimes it works, sometimes it yeah. doesn't. But if that's the purpose you're doing it for, someone else is doing it for that purpose too. And if they get if they do better than you, well, they they won effectively. And you know, with the, with the with the Reddit NFTs, for example, like well, like sure, maybe you can. I don't know. Can can you buy them? I'm assuming you buy them. Um, but I haven't looked into the details yet, but uh, yeah, you, you're buying a thing someone's made, but then it's not, you're not buying it so that you can then sell it for a profit. You're buying it because it represents you and what you want to have in your collection. And in that yeah. sense, I guess it's no different from, you know, a rare postage stamp or something like that. No, no, not at all. I think with the other, you just had a good point there. You know, early MT adoption was very much around um, you're buying this in the hope of either future utility or future value. You know, so you're yeah. buying this for, and you know, it's arguable as to whether that's a security or not. I'd argue in many cases it probably is because you're kind of selling, promising somebody future value based on something that you're buying right now. Um, but the model that you know, the model that Reddit and others, you know, digital collectibles are starting to adopt is you know taking out that scarcity and saying actually you can have as many of these as you want. You know, there's mm. no cap on it. Um, I think that's really interesting because you look at things like the board April, many of the early big um, big NFT projects, it's always based around scarcity. There's only 10,000 of these, there's 5,000, there's 2,000. So by being part of the club, you're an exclusive member. Um, as is the shift here has been to, actually, this is a mass market product. You know, Nike didn't become the biggest trainer, one of the biggest trainer brands on the planet by only selling 10,000 trainers. They did it by selling billions of trainers constantly and repeatedly at high quality and doing that. And it's it's interesting how we are shifting to that kind of brand building rather than rather than necessarily it being about a financial incentive to do it. Yeah, I think you know I think it's a it's a question of what the what what's the value predicated on, right? If you know in your example with with Nike trainers, yeah. right? Like there are certain ranges of trainers which there are only small amounts of, and and that people will queue up and buy, yeah. you know, the new one just to get a pair of them. Like the value of those trainers is not as trainers. The value of those trainers is to be part of that club and to have one. Um, and I think similarly that, you know, NFTs yeah. based on scarcity, the value is in the scarcity, but there's lots of utility for these kinds of things that isn't based on scarcity. Um, and I think that to some extent removes some of the, the kind of built in skepticism people have around it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm thinking about not just, not just blockchain, not just NFTs, but like that, that wider, wider web three movement you know what do you see are the opportunities you know for some somebody who's looking at the engineering team as a whole the direction and strategy of the engineering team you know what do you see as the opportunities in like the short and i guess the long term as well 
So I think, I think as you, as you said, I think we're in a really interesting place with with Web three and, and and those technologies yeah. at the moment. Where, you know, back in the the, the the early Web two days, as we were just talking about, we were that was kind of simultaneously the the golden age for Web two, in that it was all purely about user generated content, and people were just that was great. You know, I've got yeah. a MySpace profile; everyone can see it. I can share with all my friends. But it was also actually a really dark days for those technologies because no one cared about the security of it. And most of those platforms were probably incredibly yeah. easy to hack if people had been trying to at the time. And I think we're kind of on that transition point with, with Web3 stuff. We've come through a lot of the early days where some of the technologies are built to be completely secure, You know, some of the blockchain stuff, for example. Um, yeah. But I think we're at a point where we're maturing our understanding of those technologies and, and, and the value they can deliver to solutions. Um, and I think what that means for where we are now is we're really in the place where we're, we're, we're starting to understand what business problems, like real world problems can be solved by some of yeah. these technologies or can be attacked by some of these technologies. Um, you know, we, we've been working with some, some, some fairly large corporates for years and they've had people specifically enroll look, trying to look at these things and they were always pretty early. Um, and I think you kind of get to the point now that if you say to someone, well, I think this problem um, relating to, you know, your your transactions or something like that could, could really be solved by, yeah. by a blockchain-based solution. Um, I think we're in a place now where, by and large, if you suggest that as someone with a bit of kind of technical expertise, most of the clients, the sort yeah. of clients we talk to, a lot of them would say, okay, I can see how that might work. Tell me more about that. Whereas I think a few years ago, people would have said, well, yeah. What's that? You know, I think that's that's kind of a change that's happened, and I think that's where we are and what's driving forward. So I think we're we're, we're in a place where these technologies are now being used for genuine good solutions to to interesting problems in the real world, in the same way as yeah. you know, ten fifteen years ago, social media was was starting to find problems to solve rather than just existing for the sake of existing. Um, and I think that's the real kind of uh, opportunity for people working in in tech and in software today um, in the Web3 world, if it's something that interests them. It's a real, it's a growth set of technologies, I think, um, that are starting yeah. to find the right niche. Because you should always, as a technologist, you should always, like tech, new technology is really cool, but actually if you're trying to build something, you, you should be using the right technology for the problem, not just what's new and what's cool. Yeah. Um, and I think, we're, yeah, like I say, we're, we're now in the point where those technologies are starting to, to not just be new and cool but actually be the right solution yeah i mean to summarize that, i think you make a really good point there it's find the right problems to solve first yeah solve those problems and work out the right solution to them which may or may not be blockchain you know it may or may not Absolutely. be nfts yeah. um we've certainly been in a world recently where the you know, this is a blockchain project why because <laughs> because we want to because we want to use blockchain yeah Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, we're seeing that shift towards a very sensible shift towards, well, it is blockchain because it solves this particular problem in this particular way. And there are other options out there. And these are the pros and cons to all of them. Yeah. And we can have a proper conversation about whether it's the right or wrong thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Which in some respects is just like the maturing of that maturing of that kind of thinking. Yeah. So if you, if you, if you plot like a, a hype curve, you know, um, 
you, you kind of find that the utility yeah. sits after yeah. the initial hype. <laughs> and I think we're kind of at that point. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you get initial hype, we need to use this technology. We get utility use cases, let's think of sensible ways of using it. And then we get, it's just part of the stack, we use it when we need to use it. So yeah. you, it becomes almost commoditized at that point. Yeah. And that, you know, it, be, it becomes a suite of tools rather than technology. Um, again, we had a conversation the other day and we, we joked that nobody cares what format Spotify uses for audio apart from big audio geeks or techie geeks, but most yeah. people just want to listen to the album. Um, the same will happen for NFTs, for blockchain, for everything else. You know, it's, so. it only makes sense for things to shift that way. <laughs> yeah. And so changing tack slightly. Um, you know, going back to you know the the roles that you're currently doing, um, and you know your, you talked about your journey to it. You know, if somebody is looking at making the move towards working in the kind of space you are, um, you know, what sort of advice would you give people to sort of start out? What should they be learning? You know, how should they be approaching them? So, I think I think learning is is the real key to it. I'm sure that's true of many roles in many industries. Yeah. Um, but but I think. One of the biggest advantages that I think I've had in kind of getting to where I've been has been having a, a, a natural level of curiosity about things and a, a desire to, to learn things. You know, like I say, new technology yeah. is cool. It doesn't mean I have to use it all the time, but I'm going to read about it and understand it because I want to. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think we're, when I studied, when I went to university, it was almost because that's just what you did, right? You know, you, for you want to yeah, learn specific yeah. types of thing you go to you know if you're doing physics you would go to university if you're doing something else you don't you know there was it was a relatively binary thing yeah. and i think we're in a much i think we're probably in a much healthier world now in that sense in that there are other ways to approach those things that are you know you see people dropping the dropping the degree requirements reducing them um for for roles in in big companies and i think we're getting to the point where those alternative yeah routes into careers are much more accepted and much more yeah the value of them is much more visible um i don't think yeah. for a second that that means that you shouldn't go to university you know i, th I think it university serves a very specific purpose yeah. Yeah. in certainly in in my field at least um and one thing that yeah. it, it taught me a lot of alongside encouraging that natural curiosity was really giving you some of the kind of fundamentals of how software is built of how understanding algorithms and data structures yeah. and even even to the extent of some of the like the underlying maths that, that's underneath all that all that is good stuff yeah and you can learn those elsewhere um but you still i think benefit from learning them and so my 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 kind of view on this now is go to university if you want to go to university it's got lots of social aspects to it it's i think it's yeah. a good thing to do but it is an expensive thing to do if you want to do yeah. the same job and true yeah. For whatever reason you don't want to go to university because it's too expensive or the rest yeah. of the stuff doesn't appeal to you or whatever, yeah. look for other avenues to learn those things because I think those fundamentals are really important. And there are so many great resources out there on the internet, things like Udemy, Coursera. Yeah. Um, there's, there's lots and lots and lots of different learning platforms. Um, and, But I think from, a, you know, from my role specifically, from going through like a development track, um, learning to code is really important, but it's about more than learning to code. Um, you, I've seen excellent developers yeah. come out of like six month code academies, for example, um, and really know how to build software. But where they've gone from being 
excellent developers to being exceptional developers is when they've then started to learn why the stuff they're doing works, if you see what I mean. Because then it changes the way you think about yeah. it, the way you build things. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. It's actually interesting. I've had similar conversations with other people in similar roles and lots of different organizations, mm-hmm. certainly while building out Hundo. Um, and I'll often, I often ask the question, you know, do, do you have a hard time finding developers? Um, and the answer is often, well, n- no, but yes. And knowing the fact that we can find good developers, mm-hmm. but yes in the fact that finding exceptional developers is incredibly difficult. Um, ones that have that kind of experience, ones that have that kind of understand the business value behind what they're doing, understand how things hook together, how to work in a wider team, yeah. um, how to translate requirements, understand all that, all the, re- the rest of what's kind of created. And as you say, when if you've come out of a 12-week boot camp or a 10-week boot camp, I, I'm the same. I've met some amazing people, be it developers, be it product designers, be mm-hmm. it product people. Um, amazing technical skills, but zero idea how to implement it. And, you know, yeah. again, the bigger the, cha- the bigger challenge is when to use bits of it and when not to use bits of it. You know, there's a, there's a process you can learn in 10 weeks, but you don't understand why you should use it or yeah. when you should use it or what the... Uh, if that doesn't work, what else you should do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, And I think the other thing with... Particularly with experienced developers when you're talking about hiring and, and trying, to, trying to find people is that often, particularly at that kind of more senior end of the spectrum, developers tend to be... Maybe this applies in other roles too, but developers certainly tend to be happy where they are or happy enough to just sit until the right opportunity pulls them away. And therefore, they've got a much more yeah. They're they're much more likely to think carefully about the opportunity in front of them, and is it perfect compared to what I'm doing now, rather than just is it a bit better? Because once you kind of at that yeah. level where you know maybe you get to the point that actually there's no promotion until the person above you leaves, because that that yeah. point exists in every company, right? Um, at that point, why would you move yeah, to something yeah. that's slightly better if you're happy enough, feeling fulfilled, and you can afford to wait for the, for yeah. the perfect opportunity, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, final, final question. Um, you mentioned a few places where people can get like the right, you know, the right type of re- learning resources. Mm-hmm. Um, when thinking about that kind of wider skill sets that people might need outside of just like, um, development or the hard skills you know what kind of things should people be learning to be able to you know integrate with bigger teams to be able to work on more complex projects you know outside of just the development strands hmm. i think like you said i think i think such an such an important part of it is being able to work in a team and a big part of that is communication and another big part of it is empathy um i think being able to relate to someone yeah. and listen to someone and then talk, communicate yeah. effectively back to them again. Because obviously yeah, communication describes both directions, yeah. of course. Um, that's one place that I think, Absolutely. for example, my university course was very good in that there were plenty of group projects. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that some of some of the kind of intensive code academies are probably quite good at because you'd be working in a group and, and, and doing that stuff. Um, as long as you can yeah. bear that in mind that it's not just about talking to the other developers, it's also about the wider company, you know, the, the wider business context that you're doing the thing in for 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 an actual company. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I'd, I'd be hard pushed to think of how you develop those skills um, beyond just flexing the muscle and, 
and you know experiencing it for real you know, work in work yep. in different teams network with different groups go to social events or um networking events around yep. technologies that interest you whether it's the docker meetup or the devops days or whatever thing it is that interests someone um and 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 sort of understand how what kind of method of social interaction works well for you what makes you comfortable and still helps you to to get on with people and to, yeah. and to communicate effectively yeah that makes absolutely sense just get that full rounded viewpoint of everything that's going on cool well thank you very much alistair for joining me today it's been great thank to chat you. we've gone on a bit of a journey through how to make web3 more accessible how to sort of um, simplify that and also how to take your first steps in this direction um, mm -hmm. thank you very much cheers scott been a pleasure